everybody. We are back for another edition of the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast, the post-race version. This time we are at Richmond, and I'm very pleased to be joined this week to help me break down the race by Kelly Crandall from Racer.com. Kelly, how are you? I'm good, Jeff, and I like that it's still untitled. I think that makes it unique. Yes. Well, you know, it's it could be unique. It could be laziness coming up with a name. It could be a variety of things. But you, you think the untitled name for now should uh, should live on? Uh, what, we're, we're nine races into the season? So, I mean, at this point, you might as well just stick with it. Okay. And I, I guess I should say, too, that it's not just racer.com. It's racer everything, including the print magazine, because today at the Tweet Up, you came very wisely with print copies in hand, and you were like, hi, would you, you know, asking people, would you like a print copy of the magazine? So it's it's always good to see your name in print, I feel like. Yeah, you know, what's funny is I'm not actually in the magazine yet, at least. Um, we're still talking about hopefully getting some, some magazine work. But, yeah, Racer is really cool because they'll, they'll send me, um, they obviously send me a subscription, but they've also sent um, occasional extra ones. And I just recently got a shipment of all my uh, Racer swag, actually. And in the box, they sent me three of the latest issue, which is really cool because it's called the Heroes issue. So it has a bunch of not necessarily always racing stories about what's going on around the motorsports world but it has like some really cool features in there on like and mario andretti and things like that so i was like what you know what can i do with these and of course coming here this weekend i said well i kind of hijacked jeff's tweet ups now because i'm trying to be social so i figured i would bring them and and you know force myself to talk to people to hand them out no, you're not. You're not hijacking a tweet up. I mean, you're always invited to come. Anybody's invited to come. I, I wish more media people would come. I feel like people think like like you said. Oh, it's it's mine or it's mine and Bob's tweet up or something. But I mean, you know, I I just want it to be as many people as possible. So everybody's just standing around having a good time. And I feel like it's good for everybody because they're the fans are coming to the race looking for some added value. And whether it's talking to me, you, or anybody. You know, you're like, oh, cool. We get we get to talk, you know, a little bit of racing before the race with the media person. So, I mean, they seem to enjoy that. Yeah, you know, for me, I think at first I kind of shied away from it just because that's my personality. Like, if if I don't know um, people, or, or certainly in large, we've talked about it before, kind of in in large social settings, I get a little bit uncomfortable. So I kind of shied away from it because I was like, nobody's gonna know me. You know, I don't I don't want to go and just stand there and be weird. But um, you know, it's for me, it became really cool because people on Twitter actually started asking me. They're like, are you going to come? I, you know, I, are you going to be at the tweet up? Uh, I want to meet you. So now it's kind of, it's really cool to go to these tweet ups because, um, you know, I get to see how you and Bob and, and everybody else are interacting with the fans. And I, I can do the same now because people want to talk to me and it's making me a little bit more social. I mean, just personally helping with my characteristics and 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 me personally just helping me be better in social situations so yeah it's fun now to go and and get to meet people and it was funny uh, I have to tell Bob this Uh, it was funny because today somebody came up and said I normally take a selfie with Bob but he's not here this weekend so um, can I do it with you and I started laughing and I said yeah I'm no Bob but I'll substitute and uh, so that was really cool that is cool and it's funny you say that about the social aspect of it because I mean if I had told my former self, I guess like 10 years ago or something, oh yeah, you're going to stand in front of a group of people and strangers or whatever and just talk to them. I, oh my God, I would have been totally frozen because I, I was not very social. I mean, I remember, you know, when my mom used to, you know, 
have me call for pizza. I think we talked about this or something. I'd be like, no, I'm not picking up the phone. Like I don't want to call people or answer the door or anything. So it's funny how like this sort of gets you out of your shell in some ways, you know? Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I don't like making phone calls. I'd rather text or email. Um, Like I said, large social situations. I'm normally the person, if I go, I'm normally the person in the back of the room trying to be invisible. So uh, yeah, now, like I said, you know, me personally, you know, hey, it's a success success story for you and Bob to say that these tweet ups have helped just one of your colleagues kind of come out of her shell a little bit, because that's, that's really what I I get to use them for. Um, But I do get to I enjoy getting to talk racing and being able to get that input from the fans, you know, more so than just what people are saying on Twitter is really cool to get that face to face interaction for them to to say, hey, I read I read this or I read your story on this and they want to talk more about it or they have questions. I mean, we we have to be the ones who are helping the fans understand the sport. So for them to be able to feel like they're important because they can come and talk to us one on one and get that that FaceTime is really good. But it's also, like I said, it's it's great for us, too, because whether it's you or me or somebody else, we're using it for something as well. So um, before we I know we, we get to talk about the race at some point, but I, I did want to um, briefly talk about this uh, track takeover that they had. I think this is maybe the second or third year they've had this thing because we had the tweet up on the track today and we we're like standing literally on the entrance to turn one. And um, I thought it was really cool because people are all over the track. From my understanding, every single race ticket was basically a pit pass, essentially. Um, You know, you could see fans walking up and down pit road. They were able to walk on the track. There was stuff to do. Um, I really liked that element of it. And, you know, unfortunately, the crowd wasn't that great today overall. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe that message is not getting out there or something because I thought it was overall like kind of a disappointing crowd. But it was really cool just the opportunity that everybody had to walk on the track. And, you know, we're there a lot and not all tracks do that. I mean, in some cases, it's a very expensive add on to be able to get down there, you know. Yeah, you either have to know somebody to get hot passes, uh, which are, you know, there's a lot of, but you still have to figure out how to get a hot pass or you have to buy pit passes. Um, I was really impressed with how Richmond did it today, and I was going to um, commend them on Twitter, actually, and do it publicly because I remember I when I came back in from the tweet up, I was walking down pit road, and I said that same thing to myself. It was so cool to see how it worked out because you had all of these fans who could walk all the way around the racetrack from what I've seen. I don't think there was an uh, an area that was off limits. So you had people in the turns looking at the banking, taking pictures up by the wall or walking, you know, walking around the track on the yellow line. They had all kinds of entertainment stuff out on the front stretch. I believe it was Matt Tiff's Xfinity hauler was out there. I guess they were um, either showing it off or using it for something. So that was out there. Toyota, the sponsor of today's race or the, or the weekend, they had um, they were handing stuff out out there. They brought the the big heads. The, the those things are so weird. <laughs> well, yeah, they brought the big heads out there. There's even a Joe Gibbs one now. I think they had a a dance competition or something. And yeah, I said that same thing to myself as I'm walking down pit road. Um, the pit crew guys were really into it too. It seemed um, th- there was uh, pit crew members out there taking pictures. There was people. Wa- there was fans and little kids walking up right to the pit boxes. They got to see the pit boxes and interact with the crews. Uh, a member of Dale Jr.'s team was taking pictures with, with fans and signing autographs. And then you had the, the for people who don't know, um, the pit stops for Hope, I believe it's called, the, the charity that the team members run. They were out there um, 
taking advantage of, of all the fans being down there to raise money and selling I think it was they had fire suits and, and lug nuts and stuff out there so it was really well done yeah I thought it was really cool I'm glad that um, you were able to come check out the tweet up as well and all that stuff um, Kelly before we get into the race um, can you tell people a little bit about your background and where you're from and how you got started in the whole racing thing um, okay, so the abbreviated version is I am from New Jersey. And I had no idea from right, the accent. Right. You know what's funny is, just as a side note, when I went to college, I, I only went I from New Jersey. I went to college in Pennsylvania. That's not that big of a jump, right? But um, people in Pennsylvania apparently thought I was from the South. So um, nobody r- can ever figure out where I'm from. But so um, grew up in New Jersey. I was not originally a race fan until unfortunately the death of Dale Sr. Uh, my dad had been a casual fan at that point so of course he was kind of like how fan casual fans watch the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl he was watching the Daytona 500 so um, you know for months after that he he and his friends were obviously talking about how special the return race to Daytona was going to be and um, that was the first race that I sat down and watched and that was all it took I mean I was um, enthralled by the lights and the speed and the cars and restrictor plate racing and that was the first race I watched and then after that I just ate up everything I possibly could and um, just uh, I became a fan I won't say of who so people can't say that I'm not you know I'm not objective but um, and I was the classic fan I mean I had the clothes I had I, I collected die cast everything um, just as a side note I wore this driver's, uh, back when they made those big, I think they still actually make them, the big driver jackets, like the, the tweed ones or whatever they were. Like those starter jacket things? No, like the big heavy ones. Okay. Yeah, so, and it's like all decked out in the logos and everything, and I wore it to middle school, and um, this driver had a sponsor that a middle school age child should not be wearing <laughs> and they had to make a public announcement they didn't name me but they ma- made a public announcement about just remembering what is appropriate to wear to school so um but yeah and then after that I think it was around high school I realized um that I that I really like the sport and everybody was encouraging me to just write in general because I was always very good at English classes and um I said I said I was I wanted to actually be a criminalist. I was going to go to college for for forensic science and all that, but um, kind of in high school that obviously got thrown away. And the more I fell in love with racing, I was like, let's just combine racing and writing, and that was that. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So that's as abbreviated as I can make it. <laughs> that's good. No, that's good. I thought that was that said a lot. Um, so speaking of writing, we'll both be publishing stories. Um, later today on our respective outlets. Um, I haven't actually gotten my finalized thing written yet, but I feel like the story of today was perhaps that Brad Keselowski had the best car. Ultimately, Joey Logano wins. Um, thanks in large parts of pit strategy and a great restart at the end. Um, there was some uh, drivers getting caught with this commitment box violation thing that they seemed like almost surprised about I was listening to Danica's radio at one time. She's like, they didn't explain this very well in the driver's meeting, but I feel like they kind of did. Um, what, what am I missing? Did, did you feel like that, that that's the general basic story of today? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually interesting that you say you thought Brad Keselowski had the best car. And I think he did 
um, the second half of the race. Um, I think Matt Kenseth had the best car overall, but I think the 20 car just didn't react as well when it got back in traffic. Um, when he was up near the front in the top five, he was, even when he lost the lead, he was still a top five car. But then as soon as he, he got, um, he got buried further back and then he started having all those problems. It just, it just kind of took him out. So, um, that, yeah, that's kind of interesting. But I think Brad, yeah, I think it was Brad's race to lose. Um, the commitment line thing was very interesting because we've all been to plenty of drivers' meetings. And, yeah, some racetracks use a cone. The short tracks have a box. And it is constantly said in the video with demonstration of, you know, have, you know, all four tires under the commitment li- uh, the commitment cone or the commitment box or whatever it is. So that that's interesting. Uh, I thought the Kyle pit road penalty I thought that was really interesting because I know he and Truex uh Truex was another one that had said there was a there was a either a cleanup truck or a safety truck that was still- yeah there was a safety truck and he had went around it yeah so drivers were were scattering all over so um you know I don't know if that played into Kyle's penalty because I he had said I think, th- I think though that the Kyle penalty was on the next stop after that, okay. maybe. So I don't think that the safety truck was there in that spot th- that time. Okay. So, but it was just real interesting because he kept saying, I think, you know, they have the wrong guy, they have the wrong guy, because he was pleading his case that he was under, I think it was, it was he was either, in, he said he was inside, I think, Joey. Yeah. Uh, Joey was leading in that point coming to Pit Road. He comes down and um, Kyle was just actually outside of him. He said on the radio, I was inside the 22. Mm, actually, unfortunately, not. Yeah. And and Logano said in the in the press conference afterwards, they were like, "Were you trying to snooker him or whatever?" And he was like, "No, I just made a late call to come to pit road." And so, you know, if you're behind a guy, you're looking at the guy's spoiler. You can't exactly see where the the box is on the track. You're kind of blocked. So it's just one of those things. That, I mean, unfortunate for Kyle, but really, I mean, it was pretty black and white. And they do in the drivers' meeting, they're always like have uh, all four tires below the orange box or whatever. Yeah, I, you know, the, the the thing is, and the reason I, I point out Kyle's penalty is because I think it's a perfect example of, you know, just so many drivers, I think, get accustomed to the the cones that, that are at pit road that we've been at um, short tracks now back-to-back weeks, and I think they just kind of got out of that, that habit of, you know, it's a it's a box down there. They, they're not looking for um, a box. They're looking for a cone. And you look at the drivers, all the drivers who had penalties today, whether it was speeding or, or commitment line, they were big name drivers. It, it wasn't like we were talking about guys who were running 25th and 30th on back. I mean, Dale Jr. had a speeding penalty. Um, uh, Kyle had a penalty. Boyer had a penalty. Danica had a penalty. So, yeah, in addition to talking about how fast certain drivers were, it was interesting kind of the last 50 laps of the race of how they all started dropping like flies because, you know, either they were cutting tires or, or penalties were happening. Um, happening. So I think that's kind of the main thing I'm taking away right now. Yeah, and another thing that I think sort of salvaged the race, because I, I felt like the first half was kind of like, eh, kind of uneventful. You know, the restarts were exciting because you had three or four wide at times. But I think the whole, the fact that tires mattered so much seemed to sort of salvage it. It was one of those races, almost like maybe not quite Atlanta level, but or Fontana level or something, but you had to have tires. And, and it was clear, even that one point in the race where there was only like four extra laps on those guys' tires when Eric Jones hit the wall. And some guys pitted and they were able to come up through the field because they mattered that much. And uh, I I liked seeing that. And that obviously played out big time late in the race with 
Um, those guys that tried like five or six guys that tried to stay out and then Logano is trying to pass them and Kozlowski gets bottled up and all that stuff. Um, I, I enjoyed that. And I think that that was another good element that the tire was just about right for this track. The two, I think the two perfect examples you can point out when talking about the tire situation is, uh, the drivers who, uh, like, I think it was Newman and Dale Jr. and Jimmy Johnson who stayed out kind of in the, I think it was past the halfway point in the race where they were staying out longer to try and play the, the strategy to see if a caution would come out. Brad Kozlowski and Kevin Harvick and a few other ones drove from like 10 seconds back and, and went up and, and were passing Newman and Jr. before, before Jr. ultimately brought the caution out. So I think that just shows you how, how much, um, a lap those drivers were giving up on tires like that and then you look at the the last the one of the last restarts where those six drivers you mentioned stayed out um, Stenhouse was really the only one who made it work I mean Busher went straight back um, Cole Witt went straight backwards so he was the one he was able to hang on and, and get a, a top five finish but I mean yeah Joey went right to the front it took him no time at all Brad was following him and, and Hamlin was coming so yeah that was really cool to kind of see that element of Richmond where um, normally you, you we you know we're so accustomed to, to night racing here you don't really get as many of the elements that we had today between tires and, and how slick the racetrack was and how just hot it was. Drivers had to deal with that as well. So, um, but it was, I love tire races. So I was, that was awesome to me just to see this so many different strategies and see how much uh, a driver would, would give up if they stayed out longer than, than guys who were pitting. Um, team Penske, are they the team to beat right now? Brad Keselowski almost got his third win of the year today. Um, he still has two. Logano has one now. Um, are, are, do you feel like they're the best team or are you not ready to crown them that yet? Maybe not yet, but, but what has stood out to me is they are much better. They're off to a much better start than last year. I remember Brad talked a lot last year about, uh, not having the speed that he wanted, not, uh, just not being where he thought they were, they were going to need to be for the end of the year to contend for the championship. And he really harped on that, that yeah, they were running well. I mean, Brad won a couple races early in the season last year, but he, he just wasn't content. I look at them this year. I, I haven't really heard too much of, of them say hey we need to be improving here or we're not good enough here they seem to to really be uh focused in on what they're doing right now and they're all i mean just their numbers they're off to a far better start than they were last year so i wouldn't say they're the best team it's tough to say who is the best team at this point because you look at you look at Penske and you look at Gibbs and you look at a Hendrick. I mean, I kind of feel like they all have their good moments, but they're all having their bad moments too. So and Ganassi's obviously having a lot of good moments. And Ganassi's right there as well. And then and then you know they also have moments where like you know it wasn't until late today where it's kind of like where was where, where was Larson? So, um, but so I, I it's more stood out to me just how much of a better start Penske is off to this year than last year. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think that Hendrick still seems to be off. Even though Johnson had won two straight races going into this, it was like the way he'd won. It wasn't like dominant fashion. And the rest of the cars, even Chase Elliott, hasn't been spectacular or anything. Kane has obviously struggled. Dale Jr.'s having terrible luck. But even when he's not having terrible luck, um, it's not like he's been running super awesome or anything. Um, and then the Gibbs cars have been really off for their standards. And they started today, and you're like, oh, well, Gibbs, this is going to be a great day for them. And then it's just sort of fell apart a little bit. Um, ultimately, they didn't 
they didn't have the day they wanted. And, and Hamlin sort of was making it sound after the race like, yeah, for us to win, it would have had we would have had everything have to go perfect or something like like they were at this huge disadvantage. So apparently they are not where they need to be, I guess. Um, so it's weird how it's sort of um, a Penske Ganassi thing. Um, Ganassi's rise. I mean, McMurray um, had another good finish today. McMurray was sixth. Um, that's another. I mean, he's seventh in points. He's ahead of Jim, Jamie McMurray's ahead of Jimmy Johnson in points. Holy cow! Like I didn't even realize that. McMurray, uh, McMurray's like the quiet succeeder. And 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 now, especially this year, because of what his teammate is doing. But you you look at Jamie's numbers through his career. I mean, he hasn't set the world on fire, but he's he's been pretty successful. He just kind of gets buried because, you know, like this year, his team is teammate is succeeding, or in other years, he's just not been good enough to to outshine a guy like a Jimmy Johnson, which he's doing now. So I I kind of look at Jamie as like a you know, we nicknamed Kenseth Stealth Kenseth, but I think maybe Jamie, you know, can 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 pick up that reputation too because he's quietly putting together a heck of a season. Yeah, he's only four points behind Kevin Harvick in the standings. I mean, that's like, what? Are you serious? Um, that's very, very interesting. Um, let's talk about Dale Jr. Um, we, we touched on Hendrick's struggles a little bit, but he was uh, – in theory going to be an okay shape of a caution came out with that late strategy that you mentioned. Next thing you know, his own teammate, Jimmy Johnson in the same shop comes up out of nowhere and just creams him. Um, I, I talked to Jimmy after the race and I was like, so I, I assume you had just had no idea he was there. Right. And he's like, yeah, I, I really didn't. I don't know if I was told that he was outside and I just missed it or uh, I, I wasn't told, but obviously that that's the last thing I would want to happen. And, um, Clearly, I mean, that wasn't some sort of intentional thing, although I'm sure some junior fans will take that opportunity to be mad about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing how Dale Jr. has just, like, terrible luck right now, you know? I mean... I think we were talking about it earlier. Either either he has no luck, or there's other stuff going on. I mean, they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. But today, I mean, everything that could have went wrong went wrong. So, um, yeah, the Jimmy thing. I mean, you you look at that replay, and it's like it was it was almost like you know you're doing your own thing, doing your own thing. Maybe like walking down a hallway, not paying attention. All of a sudden, you like run into a door that's open. That really is what it looked like. They're both just doing their own thing. Do you have experience speaking from? Are you? <laughs> I kind of do, um, and but it's funny because it's not funny for Hendrick Motorsports, but that's exactly what that incident looked like. I mean, they're both doing their own thing, and Jimmy's like, I had no idea it was out there, so he's gonna. He came off the corner doing, you know, running his line, and um, Dale Jr. said the same thing. He's like, I had no idea he was even coming behind me as fast as he was. So um, that's really what it looked like to me. It was kind of like you're just doing your own thing, and all of a sudden you're just hitting something. <laughs> Running into a door is never good. Yeah, that's that's very bad, especially on the racetrack. You don't want to hit any doors. <laughs> well, that's like the only thing we haven't had a caution for. We've had cautions for like people climbing on the fence here at Richmond. We've had animals. We've had all kinds of debris. There was a cloth today or, or towel. Towel caution today. Did you see that? That's right. I think what Fox was joking, somebody had thrown in thrown in the towel. Yeah. So if doors start appearing on the racetrack, uh, I will uh, I will take the blame and, and go run somewhere because I've, I've given somebody a very bad idea. Okay, yeah, that's, you know, people used to say throw your shoe, something to get a debris caution. But, yeah, I mean, I suppose those gates could count as doors. That would be very bad if you open some gate. That would definitely be caution worthy. So, you know, I'm su- I'm honestly surprised. Like, they were handing out koozies today, uh, one part of the track and stuff. And, I, you know, all the stuff they were giving away and things. And I'm surprised that there's not 
I, I hope, look, if you're listening to this, I'm not encouraging this at all, but I am surprised that there's not more fan-driven cautions. Like, um, there's a lot of drunk people. Um, I know the fence is high, but in theory, you could alter the race. That would be terrible. Do not do not try this at home. I'm not encouraging this again. But aren't you sort of surprised that, like, no crazy drunk person throws something on the track? I mean, if a towel can bring out a caution, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I guess I can't say I'm surprised because a crazy drunk person brings out the caution in another way, which like going back to what I said a minute ago, they just climb the fence. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the winds that, you know, keep stuff, for, you know, if people try and throw it, it just gets blown away. But I, I would think that people have tried in the past, but, um, fortunately nobody has succeeded in throwing anything crazy out there. But there yeah. was, wait a minute. There was a shoe. It was in a then nationwide race. Now the- Danica ran it over. Dan- I think it was what Montreal Maybe. or Road America, one of the road courses, and just I, I don't know where it came from. I don't think we've ever discovered or, or solved that mystery. But there was just a shoe laying laying on the track. So yeah, that, I wasn't there, so that that wasn't my shoe. That's all I can tell you. Um, so we look at the points now going into Talladega, and Kyle Larson continues to lead. By 40 points. What's crazy about the standings this year, Kelly, is because of the stage points, because they're getting um, up to like not quite double the points in some cases, but, um, you know, some guys could get 14, 15, 20 more points than they do normally um, if they've won two stages or something like that. For the regular season points, there's this massive gap between some of these drivers. Um, I mean, you even look at so you have the top five drivers are within 71 points of each other, right? Um, relatively close. But then sixth place Kevin Harvick is 41 points behind Brad Keselowski. And then it just goes down, down, down there. And we're talking huge chunks. Um, Kyle Busch is 10th in the standings, but yet he's uh, 90 eight points or something. I'm not, I'm not doing that math, right? Uh, a lot of points, 90 something points behind, um, Brad Kozlowski. And then you get down to Dale jr. Who we mentioned. And I mean, he's almost in position already where it's like, um, yeah, you have to go for wins. He's 257 points out of the lead. Um, I mean, even 16th, he's 52 points out. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's so early in the season still because I think this was only the ninth race of the year, right? Yeah, it's only the ninth race of the year. But this is this, these stage points have created these mega gaps for the people that have gotten them, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it's really interesting, and I, and I don't have the stage points in front of me. I think coming into the race, and I would assume still, Larson had, I think it was Larson and Chase Elliott had, a, had accumulated the most stage points throughout uh, the first eight races. And you look at drivers like yeah jimmy so jimmy johnson's won two races but he um he really isn't compiling as many stage points because you only you get the stage you know for stage one and stage two um and then you know dale earnhardt jr is the same way you you just mentioned you know he's down there 24th in points he's I mean, he has some stage points, but it's not a lot. Uh, Denny Hamlin was the same way. So the thing that stands out to me when you really kind of put this in perspective is Kyle Larson leads the points, and he has, in nine races, he has 398 points. You go down to 30th Landon Castle. In nine races, Landon Castle 
you know, with all the points that are now available because of the stages, Landon Castle in nine races has only earned 104 points. I think when you when you look at that gap, it kind of puts it more in perspective of just how many points are on the line now. Um, not just stage wins, but but stage points. Um, it's it's really. I was talking about this the other day. I am going to be fascinated to see how later in the season this all plays out when the when it's really crunch time for the playoffs because there's going to be people who are going to get in or get knocked out because of these. And then you look at drivers like um, a Truex who's, who's compiling all those stage wins and, and things like that. The All this, all that that's going to carry drivers through um, the playoffs. I mean, if you... If you're the regular season points leader but at Richmond or after Richmond, I mean, there's really no reason you should not make it to Homestead with all those points you're going to carry through. So this is going to be fascinating once it's really late in the summer getting towards the, the playoffs. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, if you look at it, Truex already has 10 playoff points, which are going to carry through, as you mentioned. He only has one win. That's the equivalent last year of what more than three uh, race wins bonus points would have been because you only you were getting three per win last year, so yeah, I mean those guys like you said in in by the end of the summer would have probably racked up twenty something points easily those those top guys, so it's going to be very interesting and and I think it's something that that we're learning as we go along. By the way, Kelly, speaking of learning, this podcast is sponsored by Samtech. Do you, did you know this? I have a sponsor. It's the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. There in Houston, Texas. Did you know this? I did not. That is that is something new. Yes, I've actually learned a lot about them this year as well because I wasn't really familiar with them before they approached me. They said they liked the podcast and we were interested in sponsoring it and all that stuff. So I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome if you want to sponsor the post-race podcast. I'm actually um, hopefully going to visit Samtech um, in a couple of weeks because um, Sarah gets done with her internship in Albuquerque in two weeks and we have to drive back from New Mexico. So why not take a detour? I mean, I don't really have a lot of sponsors, Kelly, so I might as well go visit people who actually are sponsoring me. Um, but Samtech is um, is a place where you can like learn about engine programs, stuff like that. Um, they have a block program, head CNC program. Um, they now have EFI tuning and stuff like that as well because that's a big thing in motorsports. Most of the Samtech people, you know, like end up going into NHRA or something like that. But there are some in NASCAR. Um, Hendrick Roush, I believe has some. So, um, if you know anybody, Kelly, you can tell them to go to samtech.edu, you know, maybe somebody that wants to get into a career in motorsports, this is a good place to start. So if you just pass that along to your friends, if you have any, if you know anybody. And I look forward to you going to visit so you can come back and tell us firsthand, you know, what it, you know, kind of what it looks like and, and get more of an, you know, you can educate us more. That sounds fascinating. Yes. I need to educate myself more as well. Um, Kelly, before we go, we need a hashtag for this podcast so that people can um, talk about it. I, I, I have a nominee um, hashtag running into doors could be one. Uh, do you have another one that could trump that? I, I think I like that. Uh, that will certainly get people's attention. <laughs> so if you want to talk about the podcast, I mean, appreciate it. All the people that, um, chimed in with the Jenna Fryer podcast, um, last week. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying these, but if you want to talk about the podcast with Kelly Crandall or anybody else, um, tweet about it using hashtag running into doors. Um, Kelly, any final thoughts? So I, I, I have one question, I guess I want to end with. Um, I do this was a good race poll 
was it a good race poll? Um, what do you think the percentage is going to be tomorrow? Like, was this a good race? I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about what people will say. What do you think the percentage will be? Um, I don't know what the exact percentage would be, but I would expect the, and I hope that the yeses will win because if this was not a good race to people, then I know it's cliche, but I really have nothing for you. I mean, I, I don't know what else people could be looking for. And it's actually funny that you bring that up because I think that's what my Monday column for racer.com is going to be is just um how great of a decision richmond and nascar made to put this race in the day we've seen it run in the day now i think this is like the third third straight year or something um and it just had all the elements of a great race you had fantastic battles you had we talked about tire wear and and three we had three and four wide on a short track um so i really hope the percentage will say yes i think that It'll definitely be a yes. I'm, I don't think it's going to be quite as high as the Bristol percentage, which I think was like 86%. But um, I think could be ahead of Martinsville. 75% yes. Yeah, that's kind of the number that was coming to mind. I would say 75. Okay, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, th- I agree it'll probably be in the 70s. So um, vote in the poll when you hear this and um, check back and uh, on Tuesday and see what the results are. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. I, I really enjoyed it, and hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. I appreciate you asking, Jeff. And for the rest of you, um, coming up this week, we have a 12 questions podcast with Elliot Sadler that will come out Wednesday. And then Thursday is the social spotlight with Kenny Wallace. Um, actually a much more serious conversation than you might expect from Kenny Wallace. So those are the next two podcasts until then we will talk to you next time on the untitled Jeff Gluck podcast.